0: We are back. We like to do obituaries in this part of the program. And uh, we've been slating uh, a session with our L.A. correspondent, investigative journalist Lisa Pease, to talk about Yuri Nosenko and Bob Mayhew from, I don't know, many weeks back now. Uh, Lisa has not been able to, uh, to help us out on this, but she promises that she will in the weeks to come. So let's talk about a couple of entertainment figures. If you're over age 50... You're going to remember this commercial.
1: Hey, big spender. Spend a little dime with me. Join the Muriel Mild crowd. Pick one up and smoke it sometime.
0: That was the voice of Edie Adams, now regrettably the late Edie Adams. She was a Tony Award-winning actress and singer who was perhaps best known... To that generation of television viewers who saw her seductive uh, commercials as a spokeswoman for Muriel Cigars. Muriel evidently bought the rights to uh, Hey Big Spender, a great show tune from Sweet Charity. I think it's pretty assured that Edie Adams' sexy commercials sold a lot of cigars. Edie Adams was the widow of the legendary comedian Ernie Kovacs. She won a Tony in 1956 for a portrayal of Daisy May in the musical version of Al Capp's cartoon Lil Abner. She was an accomplished film actress. But uh, what brought her uh, lasting fame from the late 1950s on was the Muriel commercials with that why don't you pick one up and smoke it sometime tagline. And you know, Ernie Kovacs, another guy we have to talk about on this program uh, in the months to come, he set a standard for a TV comedy that uh, that has, has probably still never been equaled. And regrettably, one of the most scandalous episodes of uh, of, of uh, <laughs> media industry executive weaselness, a lot of his groundbreaking work on early television was lost when, to save money, TV executives decided to tape over some of his programs, because, you know, videotape is expensive. And uh, passing away earlier this week, Mr. Blackwell. He was born as Richard Seltzer, and he compiled his worst-dressed celebrity lists for nearly 50 years. In fact, his worst-dressed list made him a household name in the 60s. His bios noted, oddly enough, that he got his name Blackwell by none other than Howard Hughes at one point that uh, bought, uh, bought his contract when he was uh, an aspiring actor. He was apparently a, an aspiring fashion director too until he caught on this idea of uh, grabbing the public's attention with his caustic quotes, which I must confess we, we have used liberally on this program over the years. Of course, the big question a lot of people are asking is what to wear to his funeral? And uh, speaking of wardrobes, how about the fact that the Republican National Committee spent $150,000 to upgrade Sarah Palin's wardrobe and to do her hair? Boy, you thought John Edwards's haircuts were expensive. And by the way, the purchases, which included $75,000 at Neiman Marcus and $50,000 at Saks Fifth Avenue, were classified as campaign accessories. And speaking of the GOP team, (laughs) we're amused by the article in Pundit Nation on the web, which quoted the LA Times in the fact that John McCain apparently is a reverse ace. That is, he's lost five aircraft. Once he slammed his trainer into Corpus Christi Bay and sheared the wings off (laughs) off the plane, noting in his his autobiography decades later, the engine quit while I was practicing landings. Although an investigation board at the Naval Aviation Safety Center found no evidence of engine failure, investigators concluded the 23-year-old junior lieutenant wasn't paying attention and erred in using power settings too low to maintain level flight in a turn. A year later, in 1961, McCain was reportedly clowning around in a Sky Raider over southern Spain when he flew into electrical wires, causing a local blackout. In 1965, he crashed a trainer in Virginia. He apparently lost another aircraft on the flight deck of the aircraft carrier when a missile got loose. It's not clear whether it was his missile. And then, of course, he was shot down over Vietnam. Now, one could argue it could have happened to anybody... We have to ask, is this the man you want piloting this ship of state? And the latest poll numbers, which are visible at www.electoral-vote.com, are interesting. North Dakota, of all places, is now a dead heat. But if all the states go according to the way they're leaning right now, it's going to be Obama 364, McCain 171. Oh, hell, let's give him North Dakota, 174. Again, in 2004, John Kerry had 252 votes, at which time he lost Iowa and New Mexico, allegedly. Both those states are now firmly blue. This leaves Obama just six votes short, and he's got, uh, at this moment, a seven-percentage-point lead in Virginia. Thus, at this moment, uh, a couple weeks before the election, it's clear that McCain has to carry Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, Ohio, Missouri, Colorado, and Nevada. And that, folks, does not look likely to happen. We mentioned in last week's program how the West is now warming up to Belarus President Alexander Lukashenko. We forgot to report on last week's program that in his uh, parliamentary elections held two weeks ago... Oddly enough, he won all 110 seats. But uh, back to America, one of the most surprising quotes I've heard this whole electoral season came from Ron Reagan, talking about his mother Nancy. Specifically why it is mom likes Barack Obama and thinks he's similar to her late husband, former President Ronald Reagan. Said Ron, it's not just that he's an eloquent guy who gives a good speech. A lot of people said that about my father, too. But she sees through that. And speaking of liking Obama, Colin Powell has come out of the closet and thrown his support behind the Democrats. All right, in the time we have left, I think we'll close with a little bit of comedy. We've seen a lot in the news of late of of explanations of why we have to do this on Wall Street or why this political maneuver uh, needs to be done, et cetera, et cetera. Let's return now to a sketch from the early 1990s, uh, which comes off of uh. Australian television, where a duo discuss an oil spill that occurred in 1991 when the Greek tanker Kirki lost its bow off the coast of Western Australia. Let's just see if this doesn't remind you of some current political forums.
1: Senator Collins, thanks for coming in. It's a great pleasure, thank you. This ship that was involved in the incident off Western Australia this week... Yeah, the one the front it, fell off? Yeah. Yeah, that's not very typical. I'd like to make that point. Well, how is it untypical? Well, there are a lot of these ships going around the world all the time, and very seldom does anything like this happen. I just don't want people thinking that tankers aren't safe. Was this tanker safe? Well, I was thinking more about the other ones. The ones that are safe? Yeah, the ones the front doesn't fall off. Well, if this wasn't safe, why did it have 80,000 tonnes of oil on it? Well, I'm not saying it wasn't safe. It's just perhaps not quite as safe as some of the other ones. Why? Well, some of them are built so the front doesn't fall off at all. Well, wasn't this built so the front wouldn't fall off? Well, obviously not. How do you know? Well, because the front fell off and 20,000 tonnes of crude oil spilled into the caught fire. It's a bit of a giveaway. I just like to make the point that that is not normal. Well, what sort of standards are these uh, oil tankers built to? Oh, very rigorous maritime engineering standards. What sort of thing? Well, the front's not supposed to fall off for a start. And what other things? Well, there are uh, regulations governing the uh, materials that they can be made of. What materials? All well, cardboard's out. And? No cardboard derivatives. Like paper? No paper. No string, no sellotape. Rubber? No, rubber's out. Um, they've got to have a steering wheel. There's a minimum crew requirement. What's the minimum crew? Oh, one, I suppose. So the allegations that they're just designed to carry as much oil as possible... Uh, oh, and all the consequences, I mean, that's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. These are very, very strong vessels. So what happened in this case? Well, the front fell off in this case, by all means, but it's very unusual. But Senator Collins, why did the front book fall off? Well, a wave hit it. A wave hit it? A wave hit the ship. Is that unusual? Oh, yeah. At sea chance of a million. So what do you do to protect the environment in cases well, like this? the ship was towed outside the environment. Into another environment? No, no, no. It's been towed beyond the environment. It's yes, not in the a... environment. No, but from one environment to another environment. No, it's beyond the environment. It's not in an environment. It but has look, been it towed beyond the environment. Well, what's out there? Nothing's out there. Well, there must be something out there. Is there is nothing out there. All there is is sea and birds and fish. And? And 20,000 tons of crude oil. And what else? And a fire. And anything else? And the part of the ship that the front fell off. But there's nothing else out there. Senator Collins has to complete us. void. Yeah, we're out of time. environment's perfectly safe. We're
0: out of time. That about does it for today's program. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. The show was produced by Edward McMillan, who will sound off a bit about W, I think, next week on the program. I'm Douglas Everett. We're going to talk next week a bit about the movie W. We're going to talk a bit about the upcoming election. And on the following week's show, we will probably air our interview with Dr. Freeman Dyson. And our old pal Will Durst ought to be back as well. We'll see you next week at the same time.